0: We at Harlem Baptist Church want to welcome you as you join in listening to the word preached with us. We hope that you are both challenged and encouraged as we hear from the word of God. We pray that through this recording, you would know the truth of the gospel and that you would find life in Christ. If you don't have a church home, you are always welcome to join us. If you do, we pray this would not be a substitute, but instead a supplement to the preaching of your home church. Information about Harlan Baptist, as well as other sermons and resources, can be found at our website, www.harlanbaptist.org. I said that I was going to change things up this morning, and uh, the way that I'm going to change it up is I'm going to just step away from Romans uh, for a week. Uh, And not that I didn't want to go through Romans, I uh, have been a busy week in some ways and uh, where I was prepared to go uh, with the text I didn't feel was appropriate and I just couldn't have much peace about it but I'm uh, doing something I've never really done before I'm I'm reusing a sermon and that I was uh, given the privilege on Friday of uh, giving the annual meeting sermon at Camp Nathaniel uh, to the staff and uh, what I did in that text I was really was preaching a sermon to them, the one that I needed to hear, the one I needed to be reminded of, which was God's heart uh, for me. And this sermon is titled, God's Heart for His People. And as I was uh, just thinking and praying this morning, I thought, you know, I think not only did I need to hear that, but I think hopefully this will be an encouragement and a blessing uh, to you all as well. So, I want to talk about God's heart for His people this morning, and I'm kind of just going to jump off of the text that we find in Matthew 11, uh, verses 28 through 30. Uh, So you can look there. uh, As I said the other day, you can, uh, if you want to write down, I'm going to look at a bunch of different passages and uh, just kind of go through those, and my goal in looking at these is not to try to extrapolate everything that we can from each of these verses uh, as we go on, but... To really give to you all uh, a resource, uh, as in God's word to reflect on, and I, I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but before I start, I want to I want to read from Matthew eleven uh, verses twenty eight through thirty, the the words of our Savior. Jesus says this: Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Pray with me. Father, we come to you because we know in you And only you can rest be found. Lord, I come this morning as a man who so often looks at you wrongly in that, Lord, I project upon you character traits and ideas of who you are that are not true. Lord, because I've failed to reflect on how you have revealed yourself how you have made yourself known to me and to all of us, Lord, through your word. So Father, if there are any here that find themselves discouraged, or any here who have found themselves burdened, Lord, I pray that you would use your word, the revelation of your heart for each and every one of us here to be an encouragement, Lord, to be a burden remover, And Lord, may we find rest and joy in You. Lord, may You use Your Word to strengthen those who are gathered here this morning, those who are watching along with us online. Lord, may we find it to be sweet. May we find it to be, Lord, filling. May we find it to be healing to our broken souls. Lord, I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So, I think, as I've reflected, uh, we've talked a lot about just uh, how this year, in many ways, has been discouraging. There have been trials of numerous kinds. Uh, The pandemic's really just one part of it. In fact, the pandemic's probably just kind of brought out and even made worse some of the trials that many of us are undergoing many of you are experiencing those trials can come in the form of uh, the need for healing because of illness of sickness or injury Uh, there are relational difficulties that have arisen and I know the pandemic isolation quarantine and the stress of school figuring all that out and not to mention the crazy political season relationships have been strained and uh People are struggling. I know that there's economic issues that are going on. Our community has not, uh, not experienced uh, any real good there. It's been a challenge, and many of you are experiencing uh, the effects of that. So I think one of the best things that I could do as your pastor, as I could do as the one who is called here to give you his word, is to try to encourage you, By reflecting on God's heart. Because I know myself, I've found myself discouraged because we don't want to display that. And we kind of, we find ourselves discouraged because we forget who God is. Um, We kind of start living, even though we've maybe been faithful, but we start to live in a way and all those extra pressures, they don't just come full brunt and knock us down. You know, it's usually the, the piling up of challenges that begin to distract us from the good. So, like right now, as we are gathered here together and as we're sitting in just absolutely a gorgeous place with gorgeous weather and about to eat a wonderful meal, it's hard to be negative right now, which is in and of itself a grace from God to be reminded and to be blessed by this. But it's all the little stresses that end up building up, they slowly distract us from who God is by making us be concerned about the things of this world. Now, we should, have, uh, should be aware of that just from our brief time so far in Romans, uh, but we get distracted, and one of the things that happens is in the midst of that, our view of God gets skewed. We let other things start to interpret our view of God, our own experience, our our own understanding. And I think this happens the most in trial. And what we need to do is be encouraged by looking back uh, to who God truly is, how he has revealed himself in his word, and what his heart is for you and for me and for his church. Uh I want to give a recommendation because a lot of this has been stirred up in my own heart and been an encouragement. I recommended uh, with the last cornerstone that went out uh, a book, and I just brought it up here to let you see a visual if you want to take a picture of it. But the book's called Gentle and Lowly uh, by Dane Orland, and it's just a an encouragement. And it's been to me what I'm hoping to do just in a slight bit through this message. It has been an encouragement for me to look back and to look to God's heart as he's revealed it. Uh, because we do get distracted by all those things, because our view of who God is does change, we, got, we have to be corrected. And one of the things that uh, Dane Orland says in this book, he says, this is why we need a Bible. Our natural intuition can only give us a God like us. You see, that's exactly what happens in the midst of these trials. We live in our experience and then we assume that God's living according to our experience and what we know, what we think, and we fail to see that God has made himself known. God has revealed all that is true about him and he's revealed that in his word. So we need to look at his word to be reminded what God's heart is for us. So again, I'll I'll jump from a bunch of texts because... I want to come back to what is Jesus really revealing when he says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. And I, I hope we see that revealed as God reveals himself, not only through his son who says that statement, but through his word as a whole. So the first section that I just want to cover is God's heart for you. I want, to, I want you to hear what God has said about his heart for his people. And to find joy and find rest in that. So the first text I want to read is from Zephaniah 3.17. Scripture says this, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love. He will exult over you with loud singing. And what I see in this text, what I want you to see is that God delights to save and God delights in you, His child. Hear that from the text. He says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. And it says, He will rejoice over you with gladness. He rejoices over you. He says, He will quiet you by His love. He will exult over you with loud. Singing. Hear God's heart for you. He delights to save and He delights in you, His child. Now, this hit home for me, uh, has been hitting home for me a lot over the last 10 months. And everyone said that you would see God's love in a different way when you became a parent. And it's probably cliche for every pastor to say, I've seen this in a different way but i just want to show you in one way because it's just how much our opinion our understanding of who god is gets skewed so this is my, our morning routines and they're varied by uh quite a bit uh anymore but i've always had my morning routine or i i get up early i spend time in the word and prayer i have that time just for myself and that I encourage every one of you all to pursue that because I think we all need that. And for the longest time, I, that was at, at right at 6 a.m. because that meant I had about an hour and a half that I could really just get to myself. Well, uh, Benjamin doesn't like to sleep in until 7. So I've had to kind of start changing that routine to where I get up at 5 a.m. and have that time to myself. And I'd been working for a couple weeks. And I usually get up, I get my coffee, I'm, I'm sitting there in the Word, but Benjamin's been uh, getting these new things called teeth, and uh, that means he's not really uh, sticking to his schedule, sticking to the agreement. Uh, so the other morning, I was sitting there reading, and I'd just gotten my coffee, got the dog fed, and uh, I was sitting there enjoying my time, and I hear him crying out, and it's well before he's supposed to get up, but... I, I, I've i got this, I me and Madison kind of have this deal. I go get him in the morning while she gets her coffee, and I'll change him, and I spend a little time to him and read to him. But that morning I got up there, and I was just frustrated. I was like, I was finally going to have some time. I was finally going to have some time. And I got up there, and I got him. I'm holding him, and I just sat there in the chair with him. And as much as he's crying before I get up there, as soon as I get him and I'm sitting there in the chair, He's just smiling and going and gone, and he just, you know, he loves grabbing my beard and just jerking it around everywhere. And it killed me because how delighted he was to be with his daddy early in the morning. And even though I wanted to that, but my love for him was skewed because I wanted to have that time to myself. I didn't want to be blessed by that time with him. But I just thought about how easily my own view of God is going to be defined by my view of myself, that God is somehow going to be impatient towards me, is going to be frustrated at me. But no, God, unlike me, God delights to be with me at any moment. And every single one of you, He wants to be with us. He rejoices over us without hesitation. He exalts over us with loud singing. His heart is infinitely deep. He loves us. He loves you. His heart is for you. We need to dwell on those things. We need to be refreshed by those things. Because in the midst of trial, the midst of our our circumstances, we forget just how much He loves us. He delights in you. He delights to save. God not only delights in us, but God is at work in us. He's at work through your present trial. So maybe it is hard to understand that love because of what you're going through right now, whatever it may be. So I want to read from Lamentations 3, 31 through 33. This is right smack dab in the middle of this entire book dedicated to this lament over God's judgment against his sinful people. In Lamentations 31, 331 through 30, 33, we read this For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. Now, this, there's a Tremendous amount, like I said earlier, to unpack just from these verses. But what I want you to see is that there's a there's a twofold truth about God and his character that's, that's displayed right here. One, we see God's sovereignty and God's sovereignty acted out in a broken world because we see that God, he is not going to cast off forever, that he allows things to happen to us for us to go through trials. And it even says though he caused grief, he will have compassion according to the what the abundance of his steadfast love. He says for he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men God's heart is for you. And what we can when we couple that text and these verses and those two full things that God's heart is for you, he does not afflict from his heart that he is working out your Sanctification. He's working out your betterment through whatever trial you're going through, because God's heart is for you. He delights in you. And this brings us to the ultimate, clear example of all this, as we hear God's heart for us, as we see that God has loved us. We have to realize, and we couple this from, with everything that we've talked about in Romans so far. God loved you and me, even though we did not deserve it at all. God loved you and me. This same love that we see described in Zephaniah, the, the love that works even through trials described in Lamentations. That love, God loved us, even though we did not deserve one bit of it. I want to read from Romans 5, which we'll get to hopefully in a few months. Romans 5, 6-11 through 11 says this, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. when we did not deserve it this tremendous heart that we reveal, we see revealed in scripture of God's heart for you and me is a love that is completely undeserved it's a love that is completely of grace while we were still weak while we were sinners Christ died for us. So that brings us a a completely new light of what we are reading about when we see Jesus say, Come to me all who are labor and who are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We can find rest in Christ who Humbled himself, though he did not have to, though he did not deserve any of that grace, he became humble. He became lowly. He entered into where we were, into the same type of sufferings, into the broken world that we are a part of, not just living in, but you are a contributor to it. He entered in, and he loved us so much that he loved us to the point of dying in our stead. God's heart for you is revealed most clearly in Christ's sacrifice for you and me. So, not only is this a glorious invitation to the gospel, but this is a glorious strength for the Christian. That God's heart is for you. And as Paul said, He said, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. We can have confidence because of God's love for us. If he loved us while we were enemies, while we were sinners, while we were rebellious, how much more so can we be confident that he is loving us right now, even through whatever trial, whatever challenge that we are facing? God loves us. I quoted, and I couldn't, I don't know who this was. It was some random Twitter account, but it was a quote that probably needs to be attributed to somebody else, but it was so good. Thinking about what Jesus did for us and how his love for us was on display at the cross. He said, "The This person said, If Jesus didn't abandon you when hell was descending upon him, He stayed on that cross, though He did not have to. He's not about to abandon you with the situation that you are going through right now. Christian, brother, sister, know God's heart for you and be strengthened by it. This brings me to the second point which really leads to what our response should be, but... As we see God's heart for us, and we read there in Romans 5, God's heart for sinners, God's heart for the rebellious, we see on display in our own life, our own experience, God's heart for his people yet to be. So what do I mean by that? I mean the lost who have yet to be found. God's heart for his people yet to be. You see, we were once his people yet to be. God knew how and when he would call us to follow him, but we were once lost and confused, yet God's heart was for us, was it not? God's heart was for us. But there are still many who God is going to call to himself, and God's heart is for them, and it is for them that we are called to persevere so that the lost will hear and believe. But you know how we will testify to those God's heart for the, the people yet to be? We've got to testify to God's heart for us, not while we had it all together, not while we got our lives together, but that God's heart for us was when we were broken, when we were weak, when we were in sin. In other words, God's heart for you and me is the same heart that He has for His people yet to be, and we need to proclaim that love to one another and to the world. It is our calling to reflect on God's heart for them, to realize it was that same heart that loved us and then to faithfully follow and use God's means to proclaim the gospel, God's heart for sinners. See, that's our calling. If we find ourselves discouraged in a world full of sinners all around us, we need to remember first, what were we? And then we need to be strengthened not by what we've done, not by our performance, not by our knowledge, not by our understanding, but we need to be strengthened by God's heart for you and me. Realize that that, God, that is God's heart for his people yet to be, and we need to proclaim that truth to the world. Now, as we've seen in Romans 1 and 2, this means a dual proclamation. Proclamation. This means that like Paul did in Romans 1, we proclaim God's righteousness, we proclaim God's holiness, and we proclaim and make clear the current state of the world and its need for redemption. And we don't hold off, we don't back off from that truth one bit because it's not about us as if we've had it together because we were once sinners. We were broken and he died for us while we were yet sinners. But what's fascinating to me, even as Paul confronts the world, we talked about this in the past two weeks, he spends all this time confronting the world, talking about the sin that so condemns. But when he responds to the self righteous onlookers in Romans 1 and 2, when he he describes them and then addresses the self-righteous, his response is to look at God's heart. That's why in Romans 2 he says, would you presume upon his patience and kindness and forbearance, not realizing that it is his kindness that is meant to lead us, to lead you to repentance. You see, it is God's heart that we are meant to see, that we are meant to proclaim. And it's God, God's heart revealed in His Word for a people that He's calling to Himself that we proclaim, that God uses through the Holy Spirit to convict and to draw His people yet to be to Himself. Meditate on God's heart for His people and His people yet to be. Finally, I want us to reflect on God's heart for His church. I'm addressing the church, but I I don't know the current state of everyone here. I hope that you've seen the gospel presented in those first two points and know that God's heart is for you and that He's calling for you to repent. No, as we read from Second Peter this past week, the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises. Some count slowness, but He's patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's heart is that the lost would repent. But God's heart is also for not just you individually, but God's heart is for His church. God's heart is for the bride of Christ. God's heart is for the body of believers that he has declared he will use to proclaim this message, this heart to the rest of the world, to those yet to believe. But God's heart is for his church. I love what Piper had to say in thinking through these things. What we need to remember as the church is this key difference how we are different from the world, this body of people gathered together, brought together to be the army of God, the people of God. We're different, uh, Piper says, than what we see in the world. He says the difference between Uncle Sam and Jesus Christ is that Uncle Sam won't enlist you in his service unless you are healthy. And Jesus won't enlist, enlist you unless you are sick. Now think about what this means for God's heart for the church. God desires to bring about a broken and a humble people to be used, not for their own glory, but so that his glorious work of redemption might be put on display through a people so that the world will put their hope, not in anything that they do, but in the God whose heart is to redeem. So what does this mean? This means that God's heart is to demonstrate His glory and power through His servants so that they might witness His glory and power. God's heart is to demonstrate His gracious act of redemption through a people who all experience this grace so that we might go on to glorify Him and what He has done. So God's heart for His church is is that his church would know what we were originally created for. We talked about that last week with the second question of the catechism. What is the chief end of man? It is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So you could insert right there, what is the chief end of the church? It is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. But we do this not through the demonstration of our might, our ability, our holiness, our knowledge. We do this through demonstrating the power of God to redeem. We do this to demonstrate that God meets us when we are low, when we are weak. Christ, who is gentle and lowly, loves us so that God might be glorified in His loving of us. We see that God's heart is to demonstrate His glory and power through His servants in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 through 15. Paul has this to say, and I want us to to focus on this. I encourage you to write this one down and go meditate on 2 Corinthians 4. But Paul says this, and you think about it, Paul, of all people who had reason to be confident in himself, yet says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken Of God. Now, what is Paul saying there? What is the purpose? As a servant of God serving the church, Paul says, We carry this treasure in jars of clay so that God's power might be displayed through us. We live, he says, we carry in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. What do you think when we look back at what Jesus says? In Matthew 11, he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus is saying, don't carry the burden which you'll never be able to do. Paul says, die Carry in your body the death of Christ. What does he mean? He means live in light of the fact that Christ was gentle and lowly. He died for us. He became, as we read in Philippians 2, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, becoming a slave, essentially taking on the death of the the worst kind of death, but at the lowest level of society in order to be gentle and lowly to meet us where we are so that He might demonstrate what life looks like for those who trust in Him. And Paul, who is living out this faithfulness, he says, we do all this. All this is for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people. So we see, as we see God's heart for those people, His people yet to be Revealed as they see the gospel, they turn to him in repentance and faith. We see God's grace increase and we might see his heart and our knowledge of his heart increase and we see thanksgiving increase. We see worship increase and Paul says all to the glory of God. God's heart for you and for me is ultimately that we might see his glory revealed. That we might see His love for us in that we did not deserve anything. We deserved condemnation, but His love for us, it surpasses anything that we could know here and now. It is a grace that goes beyond what we could understand. And for you and for me, what we need to hear from this, we need to be encouraged that God's heart is not based on our performance. It's not based on what we've done. God's heart is so that we might see His glory revealed in His gracious love towards sinners like you and me. But we won't see that at all if we don't see our own brokenness first. We won't see the glory of God's redemption if we don't see that we are rebels. We're rebellious. We've rejected God. So here's the reality. You won't see God's heart until you see your sin, but God's heart for you in the midst of your sin is the glorious display that we all need to see. God's heart is to bring glory to himself through the praise of a people who experience his glorious grace. So What we need to do is reflect on God's heart for us, revealed through His Word, what God is calling for us to do, to bring glory to Him through the proclamation of His faithfulness, His steadfast love. And as we reflect on that, God will use His church, He'll use each and every one of us to bring glory to His name, to bring people who are His people yet to be and make them his people here and now, through the message of the gospel, the proclamation of the gospel, through lives that testify to God's faithfulness. we first must recognize His love towards us, and we do so in repentance and faith, trusting in him. I want to close by reading from First Peter. As I see it as a challenge for us to live in light of this truth. Peter says this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him, belong glory and dominion forever and ever. May God be at work in us to encourage us and to strengthen us, but so that we might live in light of what he has done for us, not in what we have done. So if you've been discouraged, be encouraged by God's love for you and be challenged and strengthened to now live in light and to live testifying of God's grace towards you and know that you will find more life in that than you'll ever find in living for the praise of men for the things of this world but to live for the glory of God because what is the chief end of man? It is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever but realize this is only possible because of God's heart for you God's heart for you revealed in Christ's sacrifice for you and me So as we sing a song of response, let's give praise to the Lord who loved us when we did not deserve it. Let's give glory to the God who has worked through his wisdom and through his power a salvation that we did not deserve. And may God be glorified through his people, his church, today and in the days to come. Let's pray.